Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I Don't Get It Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to the I Don't Get It Podcast. This is Nat. And this is Ashley. Lauren. And today is very exciting because obviously we all have like a lot of I Don't Get It. But I am so excited for this podcast because... Most of our generation spends our time on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We get our news from there. We post photos on there. It has become so much more than just propaganda f- on there. Yeah, photo sharing platform, <laughs> memes. And today we're really going to dive into Instagram because it is a huge I don't get it, essentially. What I'm most excited about is that we're going to talk to a guy who works at TechCrunch. And I think he's going to let us into the Instagram algorithm, which I know is like completely contradictory as to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you know, with Canada getting rid of the visible likes and all that. But I want to know when to post to get the most attention. Oh my gosh. I know this may not be like very uh, relatable <laughs> with like the whole like everybody like wants. to get. Everybody wants No, but I have, I have a bunch of questions that I feel like the everyday person does want to know. Like, w- is there a good time to post? How do you get Instagram verified? How did Instagram basically turn from like what it was to what it is? How it is affecting us psychologically? Because Lauren and I feel like you shouldn't show yeah. likes. You know? And then um, I also want to know why the heck they changed it from just right. being chronological to being whatever it is now. Oh, because random. I'll be like Good scrolling down my feed <laughs> and it'll be like one hour ago, two hours ago, one day ago. Three hours ago. Yeah. Two days ago. What? Yeah. We'll ask that. And I'm missing question. so many of my friends' posts. Mm. Like I oh, literally yeah. will if I don't see it in the story, I'm like, oh, I totally didn't even know that you posted. Like I barely see your posts, Ashley. It's crazy. I have to like go really? to your page to like it. She yeah. doesn't look at your Instagram right No, it doesn't come up on mine. So yeah, we will figure out why that happens. That's but so maybe weird. it's because I normally search for like fashion style stuff. That like I'm not really it. looking up people. So maybe Instagram thinks that's what I want to see at that's the top. That's quite possible. But we'll ask josh so josh constan like ashley said is an editor at large at TechCrunch, and the company specifically reports on the business related to tech technology news analysis of emerging trends in tech and profiling of new tech businesses and products that's off wikipedia so that's how tech it's i like am basically like his <laughs> signature. so we'll, let's call josh and talk to him about ig all right everyone we got josh constan on the line hi josh hey thanks for having me we are so excited to have you. Um, I was looking up that you went to Stanford, very impressive, and you specialize in critical analysis of social and communication technologies. But what you studied specifically is so cool. It was privacy, anonymity, meme popularity cycles, and how tech is basically changing interpersonal relationships, which is why it's so perfect for you to be on our podcast because we talk about how social media affects relationships a lot. But we'll start with like, how long have you been at TechCrunch and what is your involvement or knowledge of Instagram? 
Yeah, I've been at TechCrunch for almost eight years now, and I've been covering Instagram the whole time, basically since the company started. And I actually, when I was at school, I was living right across the street from where Kevin Systrom, the Instagram founder, was living. So been right near there and actually lived with the, the Snapchat founders at the same time. And so I've been super interested in social media and the way it affects human sociology forever. And so I designed a master's program at Stanford in cyber sociology. And after school, after starting to work at a website called Inside Facebook that was an industry blog just about Facebook. Uh, I moved to TechCrunch. And since then, I think I've written 600 articles about Instagram. Okay. Are Whoa, you, are you dude, single? You're qualified. <laughs> and then I actually interviewed the founders of Instagram as the headlining keynote of South by Southwest this year, which was a really fun conversation. You're the coolest person. Wait, so are you single? <laughs> <laughs> I am not. I'm getting married next month. Oh, you suck. I'm getting next married person. next month. All right. Too. Well, tell us about, we'll just start with the evolution of Instagram. Mini history lesson, if you will, like how it started out as this photo sharing platform to what it is today. Sure. So Kevin Sistrom was working at Google and he had gotten some incredible mentorship from leaders across the Bay Area and technology while at Stanford. And then him and Mike Krieger worked on an app that they called Bourbon. B-U-R-B-N. And it was actually a check-in app that was more similar to Foursquare, but it had this one feature that everyone seemed to love, and that was the ability to add filters to photos. Mm. And when they realized that that was the hottest feature of Bourbon, they pivoted and renamed the, renamed the app Instagram and launched it in late 2010. And immediately this thing took off. This was the first time that a social network and a photo editing tool had come together. And Whoa. so instead of just being... And, and that's what really changed everything is because until now, the camera had always been a kind of one-player experience. It was something, you know, you shot some photos, maybe you developed them yourself or uploaded them to your computer on those old janky digital cameras. And then maybe you'd show them to a few friends nearby. But there was never a place dedicated for sharing those photos in a feed that made it easy to follow each other and really have that kind of social community around photographs. And so immediately Instagram exploded in popularity and it was revving up towards 50 million users and was considering raising a ton of money when Facebook came in and Mark Zuckerberg took Kevin Systrom on this famous walk around the uh, the <laughs> foothills outside of Facebook's campus and said, hey, we could just spend the next few years competing with each other viciously or we could team up and change the way people self-express. So they wow. team up or did, did Facebook buy them? Like how... Is um Ingram is that was his name? Is he uh, still the president of Instagram? Uh so, so Kevin Systrom, he agreed to be acquired by Facebook. And so the deal was for a billion dollars, which at the time seemed crazy because there was only 13 employees Oh my at Instagram. God, that's nothing now. Now it's which, nothing. Right. Now I feel bad. <laughs> right. And I know exactly. Now everyone thinks that price is crazy cheap. But back then in 2012, that was unprecedented for a tiny mobile app without a huge business or a huge staff and with no revenue, zero ads, wow. zero money coming in the door was bought for a billion dollars. And in fact, by the time the deal closed, Facebook stock had gone down and the deal ended up only being worth $700 million. Oh, wow. And as recently as a few years ago, Instagram by itself was valued at $35 billion, but now it's probably closer to, 50, uh, to $75 or even $100 billion. So it was clearly one of the smartest acquisitions in the history of tech by Mark Zuckerberg. Mark is such a genius. It, it, this is fascinating. What's fascinating to me is what you said, that there had never been anything before you guys 
guys where you could take a picture and filter it mm-hmm. and yes. edit it. So and in and in that in itself, it became a social activity as opposed to like, you know, going yeah. on a trip, taking a picture on a digital camera and then just showing it to your friends. All of a sudden it becomes this more interactive thing. It was like an art thing too. I feel like when the first pictures you started posting were like, I'm going to describe myself and I'm going to like really create the mood of it through the filters but now i think the filter is really just to make you look as pretty as possible or or a picture secondary yeah exactly the the origins of instagram was that it was kind of this artsy alternative to facebook on facebook you might post your selfies you couldn't even really post selfies back then because phones didn't have Mm -hmm. front-facing cameras you had to like awkwardly turn your phone around to be able to take a photo of yourself but they uh, and and on facebook people were sharing the kind of photos you see today on instagram but on instagram because the photos were cropped as a square instead of a traditional landscape it gave it this kind of arty vibe and combined with those filters, people posted a lot of latte art, sunsets, yeah. you know, cool architectural scenes, and it became this place that that, that felt really cool because it wasn't just about promoting yourself; it was actually really artful. But as the network grew and grew, you started to have this first wave of social media influencers. You know, this wasn't about a social network like Facebook where you followed your friends or one where you just followed thought leaders like on Twitter, but instead it was about the personality of the person that you were following. And that led models, athletes, uh, musicians, comedians, and anybody who looked really dynamic on camera and their life was purely entertainment became super popular on Instagram. And that's given way to the influencer culture that dominates the world now. It's so funny. I look back on like my first couple Instagrams. Like if I go all the way back in my feed to 2012, my pictures are so much different than they are now. But they are also like super nostalgic because I was trying to, it was more, I use it more as a Facebook outlet to be like, this is what Mm -hmm. I'm doing to my friends and doesn't this look cool and less of like a public statement. I don't understand why everyone has these bras in like turquoise, red, a whole bunch of colors <laughs> where you're just going to wear it under clothes and need to hide it. I have never understood this. Like my mom is obsessed with going through the clearance bin at certain bra stores that I won't mention right now. But <laughs> I'm like, mom, when are you going to wear this pink bedazzled thing? And under what? I know, right? And Harper Wild has uh, three different color nudes to like match your skin tone. So it looks like you're wearing nothing under your shirt. Harper Wild bras are designed for you in mind with smooth, supportive covers that looks good under any outfit. They feature adjustable straps, a J hook in the back, so you can easily switch to a racer back or normal. So clutch. And what I love about it is that it's affordable, you guys. Like, hello, we need bras. But I don't need bras to be a bajillion dollars, mm-hmm. you know, because I need it. So that's why I love Harper Wild. Harper Wild also makes a difference in a portion of their sale supports mentorship and educational programs for girls ages 6 through 18 through 82 local organizations. That's amazing. So, guys, it's time to start lifting up your ladies with Harper Wild. All you guys have to do is go to harperwild.com slash get it and use our promo code get it to get 15% off your first purchase. That's harperwild, W-I-L-D-E dot com. Don't forget the E. <laughs> Don't forget the E dot com slash get it. Promo code get it for 15% off your first purchase. Harperwild.com slash get it. I have um I have a question for you, Josh, because Ashley, I was um, Ashley Lawrence producer on Bachelor 
And as a reality TV producer, obviously has affected that show specifically a lot and like reasons why people go on that show. It'd be interesting to know when you think influencers, what year, what month it actually started and like took off and was born. And I can't wait to ask a follow-up question. (laughs) To me, I think that the influencer era really started at the launch of Snapchat stories. This was when suddenly it wasn't just about that that manicured, perfect view of somebody's life where you know you might follow them because it's sort of aspirational. You like you like the idea of them, but you didn't really get to know them before. Mm-hmm. But it was with the advent of Snapchat stories that we started to see influencers revealing that behind the scenes look at their lives. It was lives. like a mini reality show. Exactly. And yeah. that's when people really fell in love with these people they were following. But what year and, it, and month was that? When was that? Uh, that would have been likely late 2013, early 2014 wow. uh, would, would have been when this all came, went down. The influencer era, as we know it, really started at the end of 2013 with the launch of Snapchat Stories. Suddenly, people could get that behind-the-scenes view of the people they were following. It wasn't just those manicured, perfect photos where you might aspirationally want to be like them, but you didn't really understand who they were. But with Snapchat Stories and the influence that that actually had on all the content shared across all social media, suddenly things became more off-the-cuff, more real, more authentic. And that's when people really fell in love with these influencers. And that's when marketers first started to really pay these people. You know, you, you heard these early stories of Snapchat stars getting 50 or $100,000 to post uh, a, a product sponsorship post. And suddenly, these influencers across the media landscape realized, hey, if I'm willing to sell out my audience to some degree in exchange for some of this, uh, this money, I can become a, an Instagrammer as a profession. Right. So doesn't Instagram feel like they're missing out on some kind of money because the influencers are getting paid to, for these sponsorships, but they're not getting anything? <laughs> right, because YouTube actually makes money off you know, YouTubers. Exactly. It's a little bit strange that Instagram hasn't chosen to try to get a cut of those influencer marketing deals, but it would be pretty heavy handed for it to come in and say, hey, anything that you post on our network, we're going to have to get a cut of it. It would it would inevitably lead to tons of people trying to squeak by and you know cheat Instagram out of its cut. And then Instagram would have to spend a ton of money actually policing its platform and tracking and hunting down, you know, unofficial influencers Mm. who weren't giving them a cut of the money. And I think it realized that instead of doing that, it was better to have these influencers have a way to make money so that they could continue to afford the lifestyle of spending all their time building content and entertainment for Instagram. And that's paid off very well for the company. And keeping them on that app instead of going to another app that won't patrol them. Okay, well, actually, my agent has a theory and possibly my social media agent has a theory and possibly he's incorrect, but he does feel like Instagram's algorithm change, especially as of like the past couple months, has really been messing with influencers. Um, it seems like ad content gets less views than regular organic content. And he also feels like this is Instagram's 
way of getting companies to buy ads on Instagram so that they can use the um, influencers likeliness, but they'll have to pay Instagram for the ad instead of paying the influencer necessarily. The influencer will be paid, but in a different way. In English now, Ashley. (laughs) I know. I know. It does make, I mean, mean, do you feel like Instagram is changing their algorithm to promote organic content in degrade uh, paid content? Great question. It's so funny because this exact thing happened on Facebook around 2014 and 15. And basically what you have is a natural increase in competition leading to this natural decrease in reach. So what happens is as more and more people pile into Instagram and are producing more and more content, but each of the users who are viewing is only spending sort of the same amount of time or a little bit more time per day viewing that content, you end up with more competition for the same amount of viewership. And the same amount of time, yeah, that people are spending on the app. That's so true. Um, Exactly. So you can imagine that like, you know, Instagram's user base may have doubled in the last few years and people's amount of time spent on the app may have increased by like 25%. But there's five times as much content uh-huh. being poured into Instagram. So it's all competing for less space. And what that means is there's going to be a natural decrease in everybody's reach. Mm-hmm. But there's also always been these worries that Instagram is actually also demoting more sponsored style content or marketing content. Uh, but in reality, it, the algorithm is very difficult for the Facebook and Instagram to control that granularly. It's tough for it to say, oh, we want anything that looks like marketing or looks a little spammy to get less reach. Like, how would you even train an, an, an artificial intelligence algorithm to do that? So instead, what's really happening is just that people don't enjoy that marketing content. They don't want to see things that are overt ads that are Amen. obviously just trying to get your money out of you. So that's so social media manager he's like oh my content's not doing well it's like well you're promoting bad content you're well, just would creating it be a hashtag ad because now that hashtag ad is a thing could that be something that the algorithm feeds out the algorithm might be able to look for that but in reality sometimes those ads are actually really compelling content when they're done well right. so just because something says ad doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be worse of content or less entertaining right. and so what's actually happening is just that people don't want to see that kind of content and uh, instagram has said that it's reducing the viewership uh, in the discovery surfaces, which are explore, hashtag pages, and location pages, it's reducing the reach of spammy content there. So if people think that uh, that something is really just trying to make money off of them and not entertain them, and they don't enter, they don't engage with it in the same way, they're less likely to like it, or even if they click through something, they immediately click out because they realize they didn't want to look at that. Yeah. That content will get less and less I agree, and over time. even with and the mute feature. And that's good for Instagram. And the mute feature now also makes that easier. There are some bachelor couples, I won't say who, that I have followed to maybe see their dog or something. And it's just been all ads. And I'm like, well, what the fuck? I followed so I could check in on this. Like, this isn't the Mm -hmm. account I wanted to follow anymore. But Um, you don't want to unfollow them. No, I would never unfollow Mm -hmm. them. But I think he has a point. One of the sponsors um, of this podcast episode that I'm really excited to tell you guys about because it actually goes really well with what we're talking about, which is the psychological effects that social media can have on you is called BetterHelp. So BetterHelp is an online counseling service. And you guys, I have used this for the past two months and it is genius. 
Um, I mainly use it because sometimes Dr. Mike is traveling a lot. And they basically are an online service where they have licensed professional counselors who are specialized in so many things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping trauma, anger, LGBT matters, family conflicts, grief, self-esteem. And basically you can go on on your own time at your own pace and you can schedule like a secure video or phone session plus chat and text with your therapist. Mm -hmm. That's great because if you're ever out and you feel like anxious or something you can literally text your counselor and you can talk it through and you don't have to have people listening to you and feeling awkward so it's like a private text message conversation and anything you share is confidential right like lauren we were talking about some some people get a lot of anxiety go, yeah um before going to a job interview oh yeah this would be like a perfect if you're way in the to get room, in just text them and you can talk through it exactly and guys if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason you can also request a new one at any time at no additional charge which is nice but the people that are on this site are 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states. Uh, financial aid is also available for those who qualify. And also, if you use our discount code Get It, you get 10% off your first month. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash get it. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash get it. But I want to take a step back, Josh, for a second. Can you tell us what the Instagram algorithm was and what it changed to, if you know? Yeah. Sure. So uh, Instagram, for a really long time, had a purely reverse chronological feed. Which is that what we that... all still want. <laughs> so that's what you think you want, but I'm going to tell you why you don't. Okay. So re- what happens with reverse chronological is that you see every single post in order from every single person you follow. And that's great if you are really careful about who you follow and they only share really great content. But the fact is that people don't. They haphazardly follow tons of people and suddenly they're following all these influencers and brands that are posting all the time and they're drowning out their closest friends. And meanwhile, the, there's just all of this extra content flooding into the, the, uh, into the app. And so you would never be able to get through all of the content if you were still looking at a reverse chronological feed. Today, that, mean, that might mean you'd have to spend five hours scrolling through Instagram. That's true. And what you'd find is that the best posts, the ones that get the most likes or that are from your closest friends, would be buried super deep beneath all of that spam from other people. And so around the 2015, 2016, 16, uh, Instagram made this big change to switch to a, an engagement ranked algorithm. And what that means is that they've built this artificial intelligence that takes in a ton of factors about who you are, who the person who's posting something is, how high quality the content is. And it uses that to give each piece of content a, a personalized score for how likely you are to want to see it. And that score is different for each viewer. Uh, so one piece of content won't be shown as prominently to one person as somebody else because it's dependent on the factors uh, about that viewer. Where so does that it get really- that information, Josh, from likes? Yeah, so there there are several things that are really important in what determines what you see in the algorithm. Uh, the, the number one thing is how engaging is a post that you're eligible to see. So if somebody posts something and you follow them, if it gets a ton of likes, you're way more likely to see it than if it doesn't get many likes because Instagram knows that each person that it shows it to, they're more likely to like it. 
uh, if it's already gotten a ton of likes already. And when Instagram shows you a ton of posts in a row that you don't like, you're likely to close the app. And so it wants to avoid that and wow. keep showing you things that are as likely to be liked by you as possible. Okay, so that's so the that's so that's the biggest factor. But there's three big factors to understand. There's that one. How well is that piece of content already doing from the people it's already been shown to? The second is how much do you like that author's content already? If every time you see a post from that friend, you like it no matter what, Instagram's going to know you want to see all of that person's content. Whereas if you follow some brand and you only follow like one in 50 of their posts, it probably knows that unless that post is extremely well liked by everybody else, you probably don't care about seeing it. And so it matters a lot what you've already done. So your actions train the Instagram algorithm. And that's one of the reasons it's actually important to be a little bit stingy with your likes. With your likes. To only like things you actually like. Because if you give pity likes to people where you're like, oh, I see what they were trying to do there. Like, I, I appreciate them. I didn't actually think this content was cool, but I want to, like, be nice to them. And you hit like. You're just training the algorithm wrong, and it's going to show you more of that stuff you don't care about in the future. Yep, that's me, and, and I'm stopping as of today. No more pity likes mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> and then the third main factor is a little bit about the post itself, specifically recency. Instagram is likely to show you more recent content than stuff from a long time ago because it knows that you're more likely to comment on it. You're more likely to get comments back on it than if they show you something really old that just kind of feels stale. You're talking like uh, a throwback Thursday? No. Right. No. So if you if you post, you post, I think, like it's if if you logged onto Instagram, it's not going to show you stuff in the feed from two or three weeks ago. That stuff's just too old. It's going to focus on more and more recent stuff, and that's kind of one of the reasons why it's useful to post early in the morning instead of late at night. Because it doesn't work for me when, at all. But I'll, 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 I'll ask the question in a minute. Yeah, because just when you post something late at night, what happens is there's nobody online to see it. And by the time your followers wake up the next day, that content's already like 12 hours old. Um, The other things that really matter for the algorithm are, is it the same kind of post type that you like? Like if you're watching a ton of videos, if you're stopping and watching a video on Instagram, it knows, oh, you're in a place where you're down to watch videos. Or if you turn on the sound on a video, it knows, okay, you're somewhere where you can actually listen to this video aloud. And so it's going to show you more videos. Videos. Whereas if you immediately scroll past all the videos in your feed, it's going to know you're not trying to watch those right now, or maybe you don't ever want to watch videos. So it's going to show you less and less of those. And stories are ranked almost exactly the same way. It's basically a, a mainly about how well that post is doing before. Are people you know, tapping to fast forward past it or are they waiting to watch the whole thing okay. and are they replying to that content? Do you watch that person's stories all the time? Do you like scroll past and look for them and watch them specifically? Watch and, them 14 uh, times because you're seeing if there's a girl in the background. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yep. and, and like how recent you are. Plus, do you interact with that person's posts in the feed as well? So those are the major factors that determine what gets shown in the, in the algorithm. Okay. Okay, I lied. So <laughs> I have another favorite sponsored thing that I actually brought on my cruise, which saved my life, which was my away carry-on luggage. You guys have heard me talk about this before. I'm literally obsessed with it. But the one thing that really helped me on this cruise was the fact that I was able to charge my phone through my away carry-on mm-hmm. luggage, which is so genius. One, because I was like, my phone was dying and I was waiting for, I mean, you know, cruises, like it's like a bunch of people you waiting to get on. You wait for a while to get on. You yeah. have to wait for a while to get on. You got to wait for your luggage. It's a whole thing. And you can't scroll through in 
Instagram mindlessly if you, <laughs> your phone's dead, you know? Exactly. So for that reason, I'm obsessed with the way. And I'll tell you guys a little bit more about the carry-on that I have. So it's lightweight, durable shell that's made to last a lifetime for travel. And what's cool is if you guys want to try it out, they actually have a 100-day trial that lets you try any Away product on the road. A limited lifetime warranty, which means they'll fix or replace your bag if it ever gets damaged. And let's be real, these airlines are so ruthless with our luggage. Like they throw it literally like like they don't even care. They like don't even care about our stuff. But also when you're packing, you don't have to worry about how heavy your suitcase is because this is so light. You can put all of the weight into your clothes and shoes. A hundred percent. And it has a built-in compression pad, which helps you pack more. And four 360 degree spinner wheels guaranteed for a smooth ride. It's I like kind of fun. It's so fun. And I honestly will not even buy a piece of luggage that doesn't have like the four wheels that do the 360 spinner wheels guarantee. I also like that it comes with a laundry bag. Yes. Because you laundry put your bag. dirty ass panties in that laundry yes, bag. Yes, I don't need it mingling with my clean socks. <laughs> All Absolutely. right. All right, guys. So for $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash Ashley and use promo code Ashley during checkout. Again, for $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash Ashley and use promo code Ashley during checkout. So now I have a couple of questions as an influencer. Um, <laughs> Do you get, so you get rewarded by like the best content possible. Like you have to put everything out there needs to be like so good and you get rewarded by being so good because then you get more people to engage and then therefore you show up in more people's algorithms. Yes, exactly. When you, if you only post really good content, Instagram knows you're reliably winning them likes. And so it's going to show you to more people. Whereas like if you occasionally post something really great, but then post a bunch of filler crappy photos in uh-huh. between, it's like, oh, your next one might be one of those crappy ones. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to show it to many people unless every single person I do show it to likes it. So I only post when I really like a picture or if I'm getting paid for it. So I'll like end up posting like maybe three times a week, but I know a lot of other friends of mine in similar situations will try to do almost a post every day. What do you think about that? Like which theory is the best? It doesn't really matter how often you post. What matters is how high quality the content is. It's better probably to post three times a week with super high quality content than seven times a week uh, with mediocre content. And so that's what really determines uh, how how much reach you get. And so being being discerning about what you post does matter. And it makes sense because if 50% of your three to four posts a week are ads which we've now learned aren't favorable. You know well, what I mean? Well, I mean, I think we've always known that ads aren't yeah. favorable, uh, but... I have a question. Um, sure. Do you think Snapchat is dead because Instagram introduced stories to Instagram? Yeah. So I actually wrote this big article a few days after uh, Snapchat's, or Instagram stories came out saying... Yes, Instagram stories is going to completely mute the growth of Snapchat for years to come because if people already can, if people can use the same feature, but where they don't have to build an audience from scratch mm-hmm. because so many people weren't on Snapchat, mm-hmm. they're going to they're going to post the place where it's easy to get lots of attention. You know, people are terribly vain. Like if you give us the option between posting to fifty people or posting to a thousand people, mm-hmm. we're going to post to a thousand people. And so you you quickly saw influencers and normal people. 
switching their behavior over to Snapchat. And especially for older audiences that maybe were out of college by the time Snapchat came out, they didn't really, they never wanted to be on Snapchat, but they liked stories. So as soon as Instagram had stories, they moved over there. Is there a a certain demographic that prefers it snaps still over Instagram. I feel like teenagers are still yeah, on Snapchat. Super young kids, yeah. for sure. Why there's is that? Also, there's also certain countries in the world, like Saudi Arabia, where there's a lot of societal pressure, a lot of religious laws about what you can and can't do. And so a network where everything disappears, like Snapchat, Snapchat is, is very preferable beneficial. for some people yeah. than, than being on Instagram. Um, and the reason that the kids really like Snapchat, because it's designed to be silly and goofy and not quite perfect. Whereas Instagram was designed as this kind of art gallery at first. So it's very classy, very polished, but it's not as much fun. It's not as like crazy and silly. You can see like, like Bitmoji makes total sense on Snapchat. These like silly personalized avatars, whereas that wouldn't really fit with the brand of Instagram. And so I think that that sillier Snapchat network appeals to the younger audience. But what's happened is... But what's happened is that Snapchat Stories has done a lot worse. I've seen almost everybody I know has stopped posting there. Even tons of influencers have given up on Stories. But what is working really well on Snapchat right now is ephemeral messaging. You know, Instagram did copy that with Instagram DM, but that's not the main way people use Instagram Direct. It's mostly for you know permanent texting back and forth. Whereas Snapchat's all about that ephemeral disappearing content, and that's still doing really well. And actually, after years of having almost no growth, being stuck at about 185, 190 million daily active users on Snapchat, all of my uh, sources right now and all of the data that I'm looking at shows that Snapchat is actually exploding in popularity again right now. After adding games, adding all sorts of interesting premium shows to its Discover section, after adding that gender swap filter that was crazy oh, popular. Oh, my God. It's it's so ignited. So Suddenly, genius. the download rate is about tripled per month. The baby uh, one. It's risen to number one in a bunch of states. And I think in a, you know, in a few months, when Snapchat announces its like public earnings, like how much money it made in the last quarter, we're going to find out that the company got way bigger and made a lot more money wow. than people expected. Do you think that's, so Snapchat okay. is coming back. Do you think that that's because a lot of people deleted the app and they're redownloading it? That's definitely part of the reason why the the downloads are so high. But other other factors like engagement also look really strong. And the other big problem for Snapchat was that for years, the only thing it cared about was cool U.S. teenagers. You know, the company was started by this cool kid, Evan Spiegel, and its headquarters is in Venice Beach in Los Angeles. And he's married to Miranda Kerr. He's married to Miranda (laughs) Kerr. And it was really only supposed to be for, like, cool U.S. kids. And he completely ignored the international market. And what happened was as soon as Snapchat story or sorry, as soon as Instagram stories and WhatsApp stories came out, they just took over all those markets that Snapchat had forgotten about. And that's made it really tough for Snapchat to grow. And meanwhile, Snapchat's Android app, it basically doesn't work. Like it wouldn't oh load and it would constantly crash. And so just a few months ago, they released this totally rebuilt version that actually does work. And now in countries where Android is super popular, like India, Snapchat is blowing up. Yeah, because everyone is Android internationally. 
So as you guys know, if you have followed me on Instagram, I just got back from a cruise and I got to say my favorite thing out of all of our sponsors that I brought on this trip was my Quip toothbrush because, you know, when you go on a trip, a lot of people's travel toothbrushes are normally like a free toothbrush that you got from your dentist or something wrapped in plastic. But with Quip, I'm actually able to travel with it because you know the awesome case that it comes Mm -hmm. with, Lauren. And I bring the section, the, what is it called? The The suction suction cup. cup. And I put it on a mirror or wherever I am, whatever hotel I am. And I know this sounds kind of cheesy, but it makes me feel at home. <laughs> it makes you feel at home and it kind of makes you feel clean because sometimes I'll throw my my, my dentist like toothbrush in my bag or something and it'll come out and may have hair or something on it. That's disgusting. I may have makeup or an makeup, eyelash in it. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Whole eyelash strip. <laughs> so it has this great cover for travel and the suction to put on your mirror so everything's clean. It also has a built-in two-minute timer and it pulses every 30 seconds to remind you to switch sides and it keeps your whole mouth clean. And also they give you new brush heads so everything is clean and fresh brush- bristles? Bristles. 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 Yes. Um, we all here are obsessed with Quip. And, um, and the okay. brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule of three months for just $5. And a friendly reminder when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health. Yes. So that is why we love Quip and why over 1 million happy, healthy mouths do too. And we want you guys to try it. And Quip starts at just $25. So if you guys go to getquip.com slash get it right now, you can actually get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack at getquip.com slash get it. I want to go back to Instagram for a sec because we got on the topic of stories and a big thing that I was wondering is, okay, so stories came out and then Instagram TV came out, which I'd love to dive into because I personally feel like it's it didn't blow up in the way I thought it would. I love it in the way TV. that you love Instagram. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then maybe that's just a me personal thing. No. So I oh, want to no. know that's definitely I, I feel like a broad I want to know your opinion on Instagram TV, how it actually did and what the next big thing is for Instagram. Sure. So Instagram TV has been largely a flop so far. You know, Instagram stories, when it came out, it had 100 million users in like three months. And like by a year later, it had over 200 million users. Whereas Instagram, uh, Instagram's IGTV, the anniversary of IGTV is June 20th. And the company still has refused to release any stats on how many people are actually watching <laughs> no it, one's which using is a, it, which is a really bad sign. And the problem was that, you know, with Instagram TV, they were trying to invent this whole new format of long form vertical video, which nobody shoots. Like if you shoot long form, it's always horizontal for YouTube or television. And you only shot vertical for like 10 or 15 second stories on Instagram and Snapchat. And so it was trying to invent this new this new format of, of entertainment, but it didn't teach anybody how to do that it had nothing it it didn't provide any education to influencers it didn't provide any uh grants or sort of uh like seed money to help people create those kind of content and it didn't offer any way to make money you didn't get a split of the ads you couldn't sell merchandise you couldn't get tips and so there was really not a lot of reason other than hoping you would get some of that reach of those you know billion plus users that are on instagram looking at igtv but with no money coming in, people didn't want to shoot totally new separate content for Instagram TV. And so finally, last month, 
Instagram retreated and said, okay, we're going to accept landscape horizontal videos. Oh, now interesting. As well. Wait, That's really? so, there's so much user room for user error there, especially speaking as a producer, because I've been into so many big companies and they're like wanting to make content for it, but they don't know like what, you know, is it 16 by nine? Like what are the dimensions? Like, I feel like there was no like user handbook that came with that. So yeah. that makes a lot totally. of sense. And there's actually... There's actually a funny story about this. So I scooped that Instagram TV was going to launch this long-form video hub uh, in the days before the, the big press event that happened. But then on the morning of the press event, there was technical difficulties at the event hall, and it ended up pushing back the announcement by an hour. But Instagram had already started to like preload the code for Instagram TV into its app. And so one of my sources basically reverse-engineered the app and found all the Instagram TV stuff and sent it to me. And so we broke the news before Instagram even did that it was launching. And then Instagram also forgot to delay the posting of one of its blog posts announcing Instagram TV, its business blog post. And so even though the normal blog post did go out at uh, at 9 a.m., uh, like it was supposed to since the event got delayed, the, the business blog post came out and suddenly Instagram had accidentally scooped itself. Oh, and no. so what that, but what that also meant was that there was an hour less during that press event, which was meant to be used for teaching influencers, which had brought hundreds of in from mm. across the country to learn how to use Instagram TV. And they'd set up all these cool like museum of ice cream, like color factory style photo backdrops to take cool videos in but nobody even got a chance to use them because the event had to end as soon as the presentation was over because they got delayed and so Oy Instagram TV what got a off shit on a show. terrible foot and it's been screwed ever since wow. that would so have helped really, so much it really had to do with the launch and how unprepared they seem to i don't be know if it. it really has to do i personally feel like and josh tell me what you think about this the vertical the, thing. I, I don't even think it's a vertical thing for me it's the time span. When I'm watching a video and it says keep watching, hit this button to keep watching on IGTV, I never keep watching. I'm like, I'm done with this. That's interesting. I don't have the attention span. I don't want to watch television on Instagram. I don't want to watch that's television me and I don't know if that I don't know if that has to do with my age. And that may have to do with our now age. Now that I heard about the algorithm I watch so many IGTV videos that <laughs> all I get on my feed is IGTV videos. That's sometimes why. Because you train like, the algorithm. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like Lauren's... So it's I'm 31, Naz is 29, Lauren's 28. Sometimes I feel like Lauren at 28 has a totally different way of interacting with technology than you and I have. She definitely watches it more as a millennial. But Lauren... Now also, that you've started hair school, do you have the time? Videos. Do you have the time? It's not that. It's that every IG video, TV video is hair related that I watch because it has to be longer <laughs> than 30 seconds. So I watch like Makes a sense. two minute hair video. Makes sense. Yes. Okay. So it's it's really educational yeah, for it's education, in that yeah. case. But well, Josh, what, do you, what is your take on like age and, and user and attention span on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, I think people who are a little bit older always imagine that phones, like if you were going to watch a long video, that means you're going to have to sit and wait for it to load for like a minute because that's how it worked five <laughs> or 10 years ago. That's funny. But for the newer generation who's grown up with LTE or like 4G or now 5G, they're used to those videos loading more quickly. So I think just instinctually, they're more likely to open those videos. But they're also less likely to have ever spent a ton of time watching traditional TV outside of like Netflix. And so... 
they don't really have this uh, predisposition that, oh, short form content is for phones and long form content is for television. It's like, no, just all content is for my phone. Mm-hmm. That's what I stare at 100 percent of my time. And so it's definitely it's definitely different. But I do think that the biggest problem for Instagram TV has just been that there isn't good content on it. Like even most of the, the best influencers, the things that they put on IGTV are kind of mediocre and that we've never seen anyone figure out what the, the format is really designed for. And, and so I think until Instagram is able to teach people what really works there, it's not, it's not going to make any sense. And there's, there's just this inherent problem with long-form vertical video. And that's that vertical is great because it captures a person in their natural shape. Like we're taller than we are wide. And so we fit, a selfie fits really well in a vertical video instead right. of a horizontal one. Right. But what that means, and that's great if you're taking, you know, a few seconds to like talk directly to the camera. But if you're trying to like tell a whole story, you need setting and you need multiple characters on screen at the same time. And there's not enough room for that on a vertical video. Wow. And so it's really tough to tell a good story in vertical that's more than just me talking to the camera. Yeah. Don't you feel like um, because Instagram influencers have been they've been trained to do one minute videos on the feed, um, just photos and 15 second stories that maybe they aren't um, comfortable with creating good content that's over that amount of time? I think it's it's not even that they're not comfortable. They just don't know how. Like if someone told you to just talk for five minutes on camera, yeah. like you probably get pretty boring come about two minutes in. And so it's just tough to even know what to do or with all of that time. You'd go and over so, to YouTube, you, you know? Exactly. Um, whereas on YouTube, you know, you've got that landscape horizontal format. Yeah. And you can have a whole bunch of people on screen. You're like traveling around doing stuff and it all fits right. in the frame. I want to move forward just because I have a bajillion more questions. Um, What is the next best thing for Instagram or what is the next big thing you think is going to come out? So the next really important thing for Instagram is defeating TikTok. So TikTok is the new hot social network that is blowing up all around the world. Thank you for the recommendation. And it's all about lip syncing or dancing or remixing videos using the existing sound from some other video. And so somebody will like tell some joke and then you'll get a whole bunch of people like lip syncing, telling that joke or making up their own weird versions of it. And there's a lot of dance tutorials, you know, certainly a lot of like people just looking pretty and dancing around, but also a lot of comedy like you used to see on Vine, these kind of like short seven to 15 second slapstick or sort of absurdist uh, comedy things and instagram isn't good at that stuff because like we said it's classy it's artful it's serious it's curated Right. But the problem is that we are getting past the Instagram aesthetic. We are moving into the post-Instagram aesthetic era. So you can think that Instagram aesthetic is perfectly posed, manicured photos in front of like pretty or like fascinating backdrops. And it's like, it's very plastic. It's not very authentic. Mm -hmm. It looks really good, but there's not a lot of real emotion in there. And what I think the the next generation has gotten bored of that. It's like you watch a, you know, a million photos of like influencers posting 
posing in front of like pretty mural, like uh, graffiti murals. And you're like, okay, I've seen that. What I want is something entertaining and just them looking pretty isn't entertaining anymore. And TikTok nails that because it's all about being funny, being silly and about these jokes. And so Instagram is really worried about this. And that's why the next big feature that I reported on a few months ago and that actually just launched last week is the ability to add lyrics into video or Snapchat or sorry, Instagram stories that use music. So you you might have known that like about a year ago, they added this feature where you could add a soundtrack to an Instagram video. Which has a lot of issues. I love that though. It's so much fun. It doesn't work in all countries. It doesn't like, they don't share well over to Facebook. They don't always work right. They don't have a lot of music on there either. Yeah, they're, they're definitely limited to some degree in their catalog. But now Instagram's going to let you overlay lyrics on screen that sort of are synced into the video, that like sort of like a karaoke video almost. That's and cool. that's going to, and it's trying to get more people to do this sort of silly lip syncing and inspire them to make more funny and creative videos instead of just trying to look attractive. I okay, love that. So I guess I'm like, I'm over like the beautified, filtered, curated thing too. But like, also, why do I want to? Like watch other people lip sync. Like that's like that's not interesting. So if it was, I think it's, so if I it think was, it's the age yeah. thing, maybe. I mean, if it was just like random people lip syncing to, to music, it would certainly be boring. But when you watch it on, on TikTok, what you really see is like someone will take, uh, you know, a video or like a song like Old Town Road. And what they do is like right when the drum beat hits, they'll be in their normal clothes and then they'll jump up and then they'll cut it. So they're suddenly wearing all cowboy clothes. Mm-hmm. And so like and it like. Work. It it's is a lot, a lot of work, work to it's make a lot of these work. videos for yeah. sure. It's a, it takes a lot of creativity, but it's time. good content, Ash. It's less exactly. like it's creative. Well, Instagram isn't easy content either. Even though some people may think that's ridiculous for me to say, it's definitely challenge coming up with something creative it's, and visually appealing. But TikTok was it? This was huge in still like Asia always starts trends like this, but. It was definitely an Asian thing, right? Like a year yeah, so, ago. So TikTok started uh, as an app called Douyin in China, but there was this other app called Musically that was also started yeah, in China, that's what we're but was kind of. of the American version. And then TikTok bought Musically and merged the apps. So suddenly, all of these American teenagers were on this Chinese app, but they were loving it. Yeah. I love it. And you can think, I, I mean, you can think of TikTok or sorry, Instagram is kind of like a science. Like, oh, I know what people want. They want me to look pretty. I just got to find the perfect angle and the perfect filter and the perfect lighting. But with TikTok, it's much more of an art than a science. It's like, I got to think up something funny and weird that's going to make people laugh. And then even if it doesn't look that good, as long as it's hilarious, it'll get to the front page of TikTok and get millions of right. views. Right. And it's inspiring creativity. Um, how do you have more questions around TikTok? Because I want to go back to Instagram. No. I have have some algorithm questions for Instagram. Okay. Go Um, with those. And then, because then once Ashley gets through those, I want to, I'm super interested, Josh, in the psychological effects, but I feel like we can end with that. Yeah. Going back to the Instagram algorithm for a second, don't mind my obsession over it. Um, Mm -hmm. I find with stories, they are so unpredictable how how many views they get. Like I, I do notice the pattern of when I post a bunch and then I take like a day break or a 12 hour break after the last story expired, I get a lot of views on those first couple posts that I do post after the expiration. However, like you said that good content gets rewarded on Insta story as well. But sometimes I'll post something awesome on Insta story and then 
I get like no views on it. But then the next day I'll get like, I'm not even kidding, like 50,000 more views on something else that I post. I also notice that there's a pattern of when I post a, um, a ton of slides together, like say I recorded this event that I had during the day, I go home, I curate the slides, cut them perfectly. And then I post them all like five in a row within like five minutes. Those do really well. Hmm. So it's it's definitely a, a bit of a crapshoot, and there's so many different factors going into this. But the main things you should be thinking about with, with Instagram stories to do well is that a, a lot of because you don't like stories, you mostly are just either watching them or fast forwarding through them or replying to them. Instagram has less data to go on, so it's not as good at rooting the saying this is great content i'm going to show it to more people than it does with the feed instead it's more dependent on whether you already interacted with that person a lot uh is whether how how prominently you're going to see their content but the other big thing is that it really matters that recency when was the last story that they posted compared to when you're viewing and so that's why i found that Posting stories sporadically, like, you know, uh, throughout the day instead of all at once, sometimes can do well because it keeps bumping you up to the front of the pile because you have more recency because uh, your, your posts are more recent. Um, the other biggest factor, though, is just that your first slide is really good. It has to be super eye-catching. I generally recommend video for your first uh, slide mm-hmm, of a story. Totally. Because you want to immediately hook them in and avoid them starting to quickly fast forward through. And so you know, putting the best stuff first is really important. Or you know, giving people sort of cliffhangers so they want to keep watching and avoiding putting in slides that are way too long. Like if you put in a slide that takes up all 15 seconds, like the maximum length that yeah. a video can be in a story, you're giving people a lot of time to get bored and fast forward. Whereas if you keep those video clips shorter, there's more, you're more likely going to have them auto advancing to that next slide and keeping them sort of engrossed uh, instead of letting them uh, get bored and reach for that fast forward tap. I do notice that the forward facing camera in Insta Stories does really well. <laughs> okay. I just, I'm just saying, like, if you well, like, are I, taking a landscape, like, look where I am right now, like, that doesn't, people click through that. But if you're talking to them, it works. Yeah. So this is, this is, uh, this has been, been found on TikTok as well that basically people stop when they see a face. If they see a face, you want to know what that what emotion that face is expressing, what words they're going to say. Whereas when you look at a landscape or something with the you know the back facing camera, you can usually take it in in just a split second and be like, "Cool, I know where they are. Don't care. Move forward." Totally. And so yeah, people mm-hmm. definitely slow down a lot when there's a selfie involved. To start that with like a sense. crying, like oh, I'm like, just kidding, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <No>. yeah. <laughs> All right, we got totally. a couple um, emotional health issues coming at you. Yeah. So Josh, my main I've actually recently have gone on this journey of like trying to be on Instagram less. And I have this friend, Tommy, who started this grassroots movement called Go Brick Now, which is like putting your phone away because I feel like, and obviously celebrities have spoken out about this. I'm sure, you know, you remember when Kanye tweeted and was like, I want to have a meeting with all the social media people and we shouldn't be showing how many likes people have and how many followers they have. So I guess my first question is how has the follower account affected us as humans and social media consumers um, psychologically? 
it definitely has a massive effect on our sense of well-being and our our sense of self-worth. And it's fascinating out here in San Francisco, where I'm from, people actually go on these digital detox retreats. Uh, and there's one called Camp Grounded, which is basically yes. a summer it's a summer camp for, for adults. adults. Yes, and yeah. what they do is people in hazmat suits take your phone when you, and your laptop when you get there, hazmat and they like lock them in this locker. Like these, and these big, adults like, pay so much money to have their phone taken. Well, from I'm them. I'm going on a go break now retreat and. It's it's the same thing. They take your phone away, but they put it in an old v- VHS video like um, case. <laughs> oh. So like an old Aladdin case and they you seal it up and then you open it up at the end of the weekend. That's cute. Well, exactly. so I went on The Bachelor, but- so that's how I know how beautiful the detox can be. It's exactly now I, I understand why people would want an excuse to give their phone away. But here's the here's the real science behind what's going on. I've read a ton of stories and wrote a 2,000-word article about this a few years ago called The Difference Between Good and Bad Facebooking. And my goal was to find out, you know, people say, oh, social media is bad, Facebook is bad, Instagram is bad. But that's much too general. The problem is that there are certain things on those networks that are good and there are certain things that are bad, according to the research. Agreed. So basically, when you message with friends, when you comment on friends, friends' posts, uh, or when you create things, that can actually be positive for your self-worth and your sense of connection to people around you. But when you just mindlessly browse and like things and you, you are, you're just like scrolling through people's photos or digging into their profiles and kind of lurking on them or doing, or just watching endless viral videos without actually talking to another human being, that is very negative for your self-worth. And the main thing that it causes is it causes what we call envy spiraling. And this is where you look at somebody else's life and you naturally see what they posted on social media is surely the most glamorous thing going on in their life. But you compare that to what you're doing at the time, which is probably like slovenly sitting on the couch. And suddenly you're like, oh my God, their life is so cool. My life isn't. They're so beautiful. I'm not. You know, They're famous. They're popular. They're interesting. I'm not. And it creates this envy and this jealousy. And eventually, over time, it makes people feel like they're not beautiful, like they're not worth anything. And it makes them more and more likely to disconnect from society around them. And that just leads to this downward spiral, this envy spiral of negative self-worth. And so that's why it can be really dangerous. And you might notice this, that like when you're kind of deflated, out of energy, you don't know what to do, you sometimes will just mindlessly scroll through these apps and then you'll close them and then just reopen them again because your brain just wants like some little information hit a dopamine hit this like release of the the drug dopamine in your brain which Mm -hmm. signals not contentment not happiness but just sort of like like a hit like yeah yeah briefly entertained like i'm just being occupied and that uh, when you get too much of that over time without any serotonin which is kind of like the actual happiness drug or oxytocin which is the drug that makes you think or the chemical that makes you think that you're together that you're you're like you you're connected with other people you you just become alienated from society and you feel worse and worse and one of the main things that people think could help with this is if we remove moved like counts or follower counts from being totally visible on social media. And so Instagram is already testing this in Canada where they're not showing the like count on posts to those post viewers. You know, the recipient, the person who the person who made that post can still see the number of likes, yeah. but none of their viewers can. And that's good because it means that they aren't comparing, oh, 
that person's post got a hundred likes or that influencer's post got 10,000 likes and my photo got four likes. I must not be special or I must not be important. And the hope is that by removing that, not only will you decrease that sense of comparison, but people will be less likely to sort of join in this herd behavior where they say, oh, if this has a bunch of likes, it must be good. I want to like it too and be part of that group. And instead, people will think for themselves, like like content that actually matters to themselves and it'll fill their feed with stuff that'll really that really matters to them. I'm all for this because Josh, the issue that I had is that I feel like follower count and likes have affected so many people. And I never understood why Instagram wasn't taking responsibility for it. And I feel like this little thing seems as if they are trying to. So when I talked to Kevin Systrom, the founder and CEO, the original CEO of Instagram, uh, when he launched Instagram Stories, one thing he told me was that, yes, Snapchat deserves all the credit for inventing stories. But he also told me that the goal of it was to give you an alternative to the feed where there were no likes. Because he knew, okay. too, that likes were dangerous for people and that they were hurting people's self-esteem and people were quantifying their self-worth based on how many hearts they were getting. So his idea was, oh, if we remove the likes and we let you share the behind-the-scenes, off-the-cuff stuff through stories, you'll be more authentic. You'll be the real you. That'll spur real conversations between you and your followers. And that's better for everyone. But what actually happened was people just now share five times as many pretty photos of themselves and they share five times as much of how cool yeah. their life is. Josh, and so it actually think, hasn't helped us with that. Do you think and Instagram should be responsible? I'm curious to know what your, your opinion so is. So I think I'll I think a lot of these problems, they stem from inherent social human nature. Mm -hmm. This is just how we are. We are vain. We are envious. These are natural uh, vices of humanity. And so it's not that Instagram caused these problems, but it didn't stop them. It didn't build in safeguards to say, hey, we know human nature tends to be this way and it can be self-destructive. So we need to purposefully build the product to avoid that or prevent Mm -hmm. that. And they didn't do that for a really long time they just said oh you know when you get likes it makes you feel good that's got to be a good thing right but they never understood that what happens when you don't get those likes does that mean you feel bad and they didn't really think it through and so the next feature that instagram launched to try to fix this was called close friends and so that's a feature as part of stories where you can select just like a subset of your friends maybe your closest pals and you can share stories just to them instead of to everybody else and that way the goal is that oh with at least these people you'd be willing to be your real self, your vulnerable self, talking about the things that are tough or hard in your life. And that'll produce that kind of vulnerability that leads to the connection between humans that makes them feel better. Again, I don't think it's necessarily fixed that. So now they're moving to that last step of, do we just remove likes entirely, uh, or at least the like counts? And you know, maybe one day they just say, we're just going to get rid of the like button entirely, and we'll just go by what you actually spend time watching. So that's what I was going to ask, I was going to say, if they do take away the visible likes, then what's the point of even liking a picture just to like show your friend's support on the back end? Yeah. Right. But that was kind of the original point of likes was it was never supposed to be so that that friend would look cool to everybody else or that other people would feel inferior to the person with the most likes. It It was supposed to just be like, hey, bud, thanks for sharing me with that. I I really appreciated that. It was supposed to be a form of gratitude, not a form of status. And so we're that's where we're moving in the in the future of social media. And that's why new networks, you know, Snapchat doesn't even have likes and TikTok does, but it doesn't actually factor in likes very much because it knows that people are sometimes embarrassed to like things. They're like, <laughs> oh, 
I don't want to, I don't want to like this because it's, you know, it's a guy doesn't want to like something because this is like too soft and girly, or maybe somebody who's married doesn't want to like something because, oh, that's an attractive girl in this photo. It would be inappropriate for me to like this. For so real. instead, the social Get rid networks of the are, likes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So instead, social networks are just like, well, what do you actually stop and watch? Or what do you go back and watch again? That's what we know you actually care about, regardless of whether you hit the like button. So our friend came up with an app, and I'm thinking after hearing you that they were just a little bit too ahead of their time it was called squeeble i do not think it exists anymore i think they launched it that's in a bad name it was a bad <laughs> yeah, name a terrible name i think they launched it in 2015 or maybe early 2016 and it was um the amount of like attention you that left on a picture you, yeah it you was the amount of time you spent looking at a picture was documented rather than well i've actually seen a, an even a cooler even newer version of that which uh the, the app uses your front-facing camera to detect the emotion on your face Genius. when you look at a post. That's so that's you can see if you smile or you laugh or if you just sort of like grimace and like roll your eyes. It can tell that. That's can terrifying. It, can it detect love eyes? <laughs> ah, that's funny. Eyes? Probably. Um, I, I, bet you can, I bet it could detect your eyes dilating when you see that hunky guy. Josh, <laughs> do you have an update on the study that's now being done in Canada through Instagram? And then what, I guess my last question really I mean, I could ask so much about like people who buy followers and all this stuff, but what about like follower count? Do you think there is a day where Instagram would do anything regarding that? We haven't heard any results from the study just yet. And if if the study does go well, what would happen next is it would roll that out to a wider segment of the of the world, maybe including some of the US. But I don't think it's going to take away the like button entirely anytime soon. Just because I think a lot of people feel like that heart is owned by Instagram. Like they kind of invented the heart as like feature that now Snapchat and TikTok and all these other apps use. And I think a lot of people would just immediately feel like it's not that they're that they're hiding the like button or they removed it but just that nobody likes them anymore and it might just cause a massive implosion of sense of self-worth for people so i think that would be a pretty drastic move that would require a lot more public backlash about the health Mm -hmm. outcomes of social media and envy to ever happen so my last question is uh, is Instagram going anywhere? I know that you're you're saying that's going to evolve and it's going to add. Well, I guess I have a two part question here, and it's going to evol- it's going to evolve and it's going to add certain features. I felt like when Instagram when Facebook started adding too many things, that's when my generation, like early thirties, late twenties, stopped giving a crap about Facebook and moved on to Instagram for the simplicity of it. Do you think that they're going to self sabotage? I think Instagram saw that happen to Facebook and knows that it can't just like add a ton of features in some sidebar or constantly be confusing you with new things to click on. And instead, it's trying to focus in just a few areas. It's trying to make you know the Explore page is going to become a lot more focused on commerce and you're going to be able to shop and actually buy things right from inside of Instagram posts and from the Explore tab. Uh, your uh, the stories is going to get more and more creative tools like those lyrics we were talking about. They're going to try to give you more ways to make it less about 
you just being attractive and more about you being funny and interesting and silly. So you create real entertainment for people. And I think the feed is largely going to try to stay as it is, but they're doing more to keep you from overusing it. Now there's something that shows, oh, you've seen all the posts in your news in your Instagram feed for the last 48 hours. So you don't need to keep scrolling. And it's mm-hmm. actually trying to help with your your health there. So that's some of the the the, the features you're going to be seeing more of coming up in the next uh, year or so. But I think maybe the most interesting change is that Instagram's founders left the company at the end of last year after being with Facebook for six years. And so now Facebook has actually taken the old head of newsfeed and the old head of the Facebook app platform and made them the CEO and COO of Instagram. Uh-oh. And so you may see them doing more and more things that kind of benefit Facebook. You're you're already seeing more links back to Facebook, more ways to share content over to Facebook. And, you know, now you can like uh, find your Instagram friends in Facebook Messenger. So you're going to see more and more of those connections between Instagram and Facebook because Facebook's still where the company makes the most of its money. And it wants to make sure that it's funneling or cross promoting Facebook yeah. to as many of those Instagram users as possible. And I don't think anybody who uses Instagram really wants that. No, but that's kind that of the, the price you pay for a free app uh, that's owned by a giant corporation. Right. Okay, I am... So. Um... You know when you go on Instagram, you go to Instagram.com from a desktop? Yeah. It's not super friendly. So I was always wondering, was that done purposely to keep like the oldies off Instagram? <laughs> because old, I know I, that my mom would probably have an Instagram if she could have it on the computer. But you you know what I mean? Like you can't really upload, you can't really filter, which I think is genius. Was that with the motivation behind doing that? I think the big reason was that the kind of things you post from your computer are probably just going to be random things you post, you find from the web. And, and so it's actually reducing the barrier to entry and letting you post from the web might just lead you to post a lot of like random crap that wouldn't really fit well in Instagram. And the company surely knew that like stuff you actually shoot on your mobile phone when you're out living life is more interesting. And for those people who do use desktop editing software like Lightroom to make their photos look perfect, they're already doing a ton of work. So they're going to go for that last step of re-uploading the phone, the photo to their phone so they can post it to Instagram. So I think it's actually a pretty smart move to not let you do a ton of posting from the website though they did recently start to test a web version of instagram direct messages which is really helpful if you know you're stuck on your computer during class all day and you want to keep dming okay two quick um questions because i wasn't going to ask but i feel like i have you here i might as well okay so josh you have 5096 followers on instagram and you are verified what is the whole science behind being verified and not verified? I have friends that have like 2,000 followers but work for Vice that can get verified. However, I can't get verified. You know what I'm saying? What is the science behind that? There is not a lot of science behind it. I actually only got verified last week. And that was despite having written 600 articles about Instagram <laughs> Don't you think that's weird? That's like weird, news right? And like, you know, I'm a I'm a journalist and a bit of a public figure. I go on like TV news stuff, and I was posting that stuff to Instagram, and still they didn't care. It was really only when TechCrunch, you know, the the our, the news publication that I write for, when our social media managers submitted a list of our writers, you know, the Instagram wants 
to verify journalists because it doesn't want anybody to impersonate journalists. It doesn't want somebody to like pretend to be me and say, and post something that's like Instagram is shutting down and people being like, oh, Josh is the expert on Instagram. And if he says it's shutting down, it must be. So they don't want anyone to impersonate journalists. And that's why you might see someone like from Vice who doesn't have that many followers still get verified. Whereas somebody who you know, pr- produces cool content for like cooking or fashion or makeup or something like that. If they don't have a, an official outlet or website and they're really just sort of an influencer on the platform itself, that they might not get verified. And so it's more about Instagram preventing the spread of, in- of misinformation than it is about like saying this person is special. Okay. And then my other question is, I, I don't really have this question, but I'm asking on behalf of our audience, because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, is it worth to buy followers or not? Obviously, I feel like we're all told, told not, but I just want to hear from you since we have you here, because I feel like a lot of people are always wondering that. Do not buy followers. And here's why. When you buy followers, you're buying fake people who are not going to like your posts. And what that means is that uh, you might have more followers, but you're only going to get the same number of likes. So that means you're getting a smaller percentage of people who follow you liking your posts. And that means Instagram thinks your content is bad. And so it will show it to fewer and fewer Mm -hmm. people. And eventually you you basically won't get any value out of those followers. If you're buying followers because you want to like, point to your profile and tell (laughs) some brand or some hire or some company, oh, look, I'm famous on Instagram. It might work for just a second, but as soon as they dig into your post and see, oh, you have 100,000 followers, but you only get 50 likes per photo, like you're not actually famous and you probably bought those followers. So it's bad for your engagement. But at the same time, a lot of these followers, a lot of these companies, what they actually are doing is... When you sign up to buy followers, they make you give them your username and password. And what they're really doing is they're spamming other users on Instagram using your account by just following and unfollowing them, DMing them, liking their posts and unliking their posts, commenting on their posts. And what they're just trying to do is like trick that other person into following you. Mm -hmm. But what you're really doing is just annoying the hell out of that person. You're allowing this company to create a ton of spam that's just pissing off everybody else on Instagram and making the whole experience worse and if you've ever gotten notifications about like likes or follows or things like that from people who don't look real and that like wasted a few seconds of your time that's what you're doing to everybody else when you buy followers and then worst of all instagram has finally started to crack down on this i did a big expose earlier this year that found that there was a dozen follower buying services that were actually buying ads on instagram and instagram wasn't stopping them so instagram was profiting off of these fake follower services and i was like that's completely completely crap that has to get shut down so i did this big expose on it and now instagram is cracking down more so if it finds out that you're buying fake followers instagram could shut down your reach by making sure your posts don't get seen by people they could prevent you from getting shown in the explore page or they could even go so far as to suspend your account so buying followers is bad for your engagement it's bad for everybody else on instagram and it might get you your account deleted so don't do it josh you are a wealth of knowledge we love you and honestly, we can't thank you enough for all of this. I, I mean, Lauren and I, the whole time, we're like, fascinating, whoa, whoa, fascinating, whoa, whoa. fascinating. <laughs> so um, thank you so much. Will you let all of our listeners know where they can find you? 
Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Josh SC, or you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Constein. And I've got a new newsletter that's about social media products that's coming out soon too. Or just go to TechCrunch and you'll find me easy. Or you can also ways, and you can always DM me if you have questions you want to ask me directly. Hit me up on Twitter DM. Uh, my DMs are open. I'm Josh Constein. Thank you All right, so much. You're your, the best. Your fiance is beautiful. We just peeped your Instagram. <laughs> we stopped. <laughs> Thank you. you very much. All right. Bye, Josh. Farewell. Bye, thank you. I don't podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.